Rio. What's up, everybody? Big Sky Breakdown, Coulter Nuanas, SkylineSportsMT.com on a snowy Friday in western Montana. I know it's coming down all over the state. One last home game for the University of Montana, well, at least for the regular season, Eastern Washington in town, and a trip to sunny California for the uh, Montana State Bobcats. Second to last week of the regular season. You know what next week is, rivalry week. We'll have so much stuff coming up for you. Still getting it all laid out and planned out, but should be a fun week. We'll have our daily primetime matchup stories between Montana and Montana State. We also have some senior features planned and a whole bunch of podcasts and interview-based stuff as well. So stay tuned for that. Interviews-based Big Sky Breakdown today, and we'll just share a variety of the interviews around uh, about subjects from around the Big Sky here uh, on uh, this here Big Sky Breakdown, including Freddie Roberson. That's the one original interview here on this one. The other ones are uh, just conglomerations of some of our stuff from our ESPN radio show, ESPN MT, uh, Nuanas Now. Freddie Roberson's a junior wide receiver for the Eastern Washington Eagles. One of the leading receivers in the Big Sky Conference. He's got over 700 yards uh, receiving, and uh, he's got six, seven receiving touchdowns, excuse me. So a uh, guy who's been productive despite Eastern Washington's struggles. We'll also hear from Spencer Brash, Cal Poly quarterback, as the Mustangs prepare to host Montana State, still in, look, in search for their first league victory. We'll hear from Taylor Housewright, the offensive coordinator for Montana State. As part of our Montana State Minute, Sam Herter, Hero Sports, joined us on Nuana's Now to lead Wednesday's show. So we'll hear from Sam, some uh, FCS bracketology. We'll also hear from Eli Alford, our Grizz Star of the Week, a senior defensive tackle for the University of Montana. And I'll share a little bit of my analysis from K-Sky Country, our blue and gold Thursdays that are on K-Sky in Bozeman. Join Dave Wooten once a week as well. Big Sky Breakdown, thanks to all of our great sponsors, Westpac Wealth, Opportunity Bank, Blackfoot Communications, Town Pump Food Stores, and J&V Restaurant Supply. Also, thanks to our Fit During Football sponsors, The Hype House, Hot House Yoga, and Nutrition on Reserve. Here's Freddie Roberson, Eastern Washington wide receiver, Big Sky Breakdown. Big Sky Breakdown, it's our Friday podcast here at SkylineSportsMT.com. You can also find some of these interviews on ESPN Montana and SWX Montana Television as well. We're joined now by Eastern Washington wide receiver Freddie Roberson. He is one of the leading receivers in the Big Sky Conference and a guy that's been lighting it up all year long. Freddie, thanks for taking a minute for us, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, just enjoying the good old weather, you know, game prepping for, uh, you know, a big opportunity this week. So, uh more. How is the weather over there in Cheney? I'll tell you, I'm sitting here in Missoula, and uh, man, it's blustery. It's about eight degrees. It's snowing, but I know that the weather's usually not any better over there. How, how is it this week? Oh, yeah, man. I could tell you, it's, 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 not, it's not too much different over here at Eastern. So, you know, we're kind of getting a similar weather. Uh, a lot of snow over here, kind of snow over a lot the past couple of days, and uh, kind of blowy. So, uh, I think, you know, uh, it's it's getting pretty cold, but that's just uh, that's just what we're prepared for. Well, it was funny because last week Cal Poly was in Missoula, and they were certainly not prepared for the weather that uh, that came, and uh, they were ready to go home by the end of the game in, in Missoula. But um, when it comes to just practicing there at Eastern, I mean, they're at Roos Field, and, and when you're practicing on the red and, and on campus and all of it, it's it's windy, it's cold. So you guys seem like, though, you're used to it, right? So, I mean, is it a mental transition when you go to, to try to prepare for games in it, but also do you think it gives you an advantage because you, you, you're not surprised by it if you see it at home or on the road? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, more of a mental deal than uh, being more of a physical deal, especially uh, being here at Eastern. You know, Eastern, we we predominantly play in the cold, so uh, we kind of use that to our 
to our advantage as well. So um, yeah, I just think it. I just I just think it's more of like a mental thing, you know. Going into this game, we know, uh, you know, it's gonna be cold over there, just like over here. But it's gonna be more of just you know the crowd noise and being ready to uh, you know di- handle the crowd, you know, when they get you know a good swing of momentum and things like that. So uh, practice this week is just more focused on uh, trying to tune out the noise and, and and focus on the game plan. Well, Eastern Washington plays at Montana, the last regular season home game for the Grizzlies. And, uh, Freddie, it's been uh, a tough year for you guys so far, and I know that's not something you guys are used to at Eastern Washington. You guys have been perennially in the playoffs. You've always been so fun to cover because you've had so much success. And and so what's it been like this year? I mean, how have you guys been able to, to stay in it mentally uh, given the fact that the wins have been hard to come by? Uh, you know, we just, we, just not, we just try not to pay uh, too much attention to, uh, you know, what's on paper. Uh, we all we know just as much as anybody. Uh, we came into the season knowing that we was gonna have a tough schedule. Uh, we was gonna be playing a lot of great teams, P5 teams, and things like that. So um, you know, we just try not to let the record affect us and what's happened in the past affect us, and just to focus on the moment and just to uh, focus on where we're at right now. And you know, we have Montana ahead of us, and we know they have a lot at stake this weekend. So that's really our main goal. And you know, we are uh, a winning program, and this is this is you know kind of a down year, but we but we definitely. Uh, try not to let that affect us and just to go out there and play our game every weekend because we play games to win no matter what and no matter who we play, no matter what the record is, uh, we're going to go out there and we're going to fight and give it our all regardless of uh, the outcome. Fred Roberson here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity What's your perspective on the Grizzlies then? I mean, just broadly, first of all, you guys have had some great games with them. I know last year, a uh, great win for you guys in Cheney. That was a fun one. I was on hand for that one. And then uh, in Missoula, one of the craziest games I've ever watched in the playoffs. And um, Eric Berrier went nuts, and you and the receivers had all sorts of yards. Well, Montana comes out on top. So uh, when you see the Grizzlies on the schedule, what's your mentality? What's your mindset? Oh, man. Uh, I know. I always know it's going to be a fun game with those guys because, you know, uh, they come with a lot of energy. They're a real physical, aggressive team that plays with a high energy just like us. So um, it's no greater feeling than to uh, play the Grizz, you know, uh, especially going to uh, their stadium where they have great fans and, you know, the atmosphere is electric. And, you know, every time I see them guys on the schedule, I just know in my head that, you know, we all got to make sure on our P's and Q's are coached well. And uh, they're just a great team overall, but we're a great team too. So we just go in and uh, do what we're supposed to do. I think it's going to be a great game. Let's talk to me about just you yourself. You've had a, a great season this year. And uh, the last couple of weeks, I've, I've had fun time watching. You had some huge plays both against Portland State and Idaho. Scored the long touchdown last week against Idaho. And now you're sitting here with uh, 40 catches, 718 yards, seven touchdowns. So some of the best numbers in the league. Uh, what's been the next step for you? Because I know you've been an all-big sky guy the last couple of years, counting the spring season as well. Uh, but where do you think you've elevated your game and uh, how have you thought of uh, just your performance so far this year? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I've eleve- elevated my game at uh, just, you know, becoming more of a, a big threat playmaker. And, um, you know, I think I've shown that throughout this season and, and I wanted that to uh, be more of my main focus uh, just, you know, throughout the season because doing the past, I don't think I've had the opportunity to show that as much because, you know, we do have, we did have uh, other big play threats like Andrew Boston and uh, Paul Lingley Jones and guys like that. So um, just, you know, showing more, just showing more that uh, I'm a big play guy, you know, I'm a deep threat and, uh, I can go score at any given moment, and that's just what I've been trying to show this year, just more of my explosiveness. 
Talk to me about just the transition under Gunnar Talkington, because Eric Berry was the starter there for multiple seasons in a row and, and one of the most prolific guys in the history of Eastern Washington football and Big Sky Conference football. But Talkington's got a gun, man. He's got a great arm and watched him live twice this year and very impressed by him. So what's different, though? Has your offense changed much with a, with a new quarterback? Oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, there's always going to be a transition, especially, you know, um, coming from the best quarterback, you know, in the country you know, and him in that spot being vacant. So anybody uh, trying to fill those shoes is going to have a tough role to fill. But, you know, I think uh, throughout the season, you know, Gunner has done a great job of doing what he can of doing what he can do out there. And, um, you know, the difference, I, I don't really think the offense has changed much out there. You know, I think we're still a high tempo offense who wants to score a lot of points, who wants to put a lot of points on the board and things like that. So um, the DNA of our offense has never changed. And um, I believe that it never will. But um, Gunner, he's, he's, you know, done a great job of just controlling the offense and doing what he does best. And, yeah, he uh, he, he does have an arm. You know, he's put out there quite a few times and shown on film that uh, he can drop a few bombs. So. Well, last couple things for you then. I mean, you mentioned the aggression of Montana, the energy they play with. What are the keys to the matchup for Eastern? Because it, do, it does seem like they play a lot of man coverage on the outside, but that also seems like if you guys can uh, – embrace that competitive nature on the outside you guys can get free and we've seen big plays by the eastern guys on the outside against montana the last couple years so what were the keys to the matchup on your side of things against the grizz um i just you know think the things for us is is to one-on-one-on-one matchups and to put pressure on the perimeter uh because we know uh the front seven is pretty much uh the harder their defense but they do have good guys on the perimeter that do uh pretty well in coverage so uh the game plan you know is just to attack them guys vertically and uh to force them guys to cover all game long and you know see where they can see what they can do from there and you know to make the big guys run sideline to sideline and uh, try and tire them out well like you said you guys have played such a tough schedule uh this year already so I mean, what would it mean to you in the program if you guys were to come into Missoula and get a win? How much would that uh, help just the, with the positive mindset going down the stretch here for Eastern? Oh, yeah, you know, that would mean, you know, mean a lot, you know, uh, with the season going on and things like that. But just knowing that we have a shot to uh, spoil somebody else's season and none other than Montana Grizzlies is, uh, you know, what's the greatest feeling than that than being an Eastern guy trying to, you know, knock them guys off off, off, off their path. So, um, yeah, this game this game is going to uh, be a, mean a whole lot for us and for them because, you know, they have a lot at stake as well. So uh, going into this game is going to be a lot of energy, uh, a lot of high-flying balls, and, uh, you know, a lot of intensity. Fred Roberson, Eastern Washington wide receiver here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Eastern in Missoula to play Montana. Last regular season home game for the Grizzlies. Freddie, thanks for joining us, man, and uh, best of luck on Saturday. Uh, No problem, no problem. Thank you. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Town Pump. Run down the road. Pump it up. 
Well, it's time now for our Across the Sidelines, where we interview subjects from the opponents of both Montana and Montana State. And for the second week in a row, the Montana schools crossed paths with the Cal Poly Mustangs. Cal Poly was in town last week in Missoula, and now they're back home. San Luis Obispo probably happy to be home, especially considering the way the weather is right now. We're joined by Spencer Brash. He's a quarterback for the Cal Poly Mustangs. Spencer, thanks for being here, man. How you doing? I'm good. How about you? Good. First of all, just tell us about that dynamic. The weather last week was uh, less than ideal for uh, you guys uh, when you were in Missoula on Saturday. So, I mean, what was it like? Have you ever played a game with that much snow? I've honestly never seen that much snow, period, in my life, just coming down in general from Arizona. Not much snow comes around there. So, like, even seeing that much snow during the game was kind of crazy, but it was a great experience. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know that it's uh, a lot of snow when – a couple of the guys from Montana even said it was the most snow they'd ever played in. So, I mean, how did it, how did it affect you guys, if at all? Uh, I didn't really feel like it affected my passes too much. It was just it started at close to the end of the game, get a little bit uh, traction for receivers and a little bit for myself. But for the most part, throwing and affecting like the actual throw wasn't too much of an issue. It was more just trying to figure out timing with routes, since everything is just changing conditions, trying to figure that out. It seemed like maybe the the special teams was hard too, just with the punting and the snapping and stuff. I know that you, that your punter had a little hard, a bit of a hard time just flipping the field, just because it was just hard to catch the ball. It seemed like yeah. So it's definitely something that our team does not experience in uh, Central California and San Luis Obispo. Uh, the snow is just not often seen anywhere around here. So it's it's for a lot of the guys on the team, it was a change and a big uh, experience for them. Yeah, for sure. Well. Uh, take me through uh, this season so far. I know that it's uh, it's quite a challenge for the rebuild that you guys got going on considering uh, what Cal Poly was and what Coach Baldwin and his staff are trying to make it into. So, I mean, what's it been like sort of being on the ground floor of this rebuild? What, what, what sort of intrigued you about embracing this challenge there at Cal Poly? It is a lot that everyone has to change from. There's a lot of guys here that were in the triple option now going to more of a spread, off, uh, spread offense. So, there's a lot of different things from different positions that are still trying to get a little bit used to it from receiving core to linemen all the way around. It's like it's just a little bit different for everyone. So it's still like a little bit building along those lines, but uh, I feel like we've done a lot better with it this year progressing still nowhere where we need to want to, or where we want to be easily by our, our record. Done. But we've still been pretty successful in offense. Just our biggest issue has been scoring the red zone. When it comes to that element, I mean, you guys have moved the ball on offense, and it seems like you are getting better in terms of the passing game particularly. What what are the next steps? I mean, what are the parts you are trying to sharpen up here? Uh, we first need to establish more of a run game. Like, it is great having to throw and being able to throw, but we need to have both facets of the game, not being able to just be one-sided offense. So, one, working on getting a run game established as well. And then just being able to everyone progress farther being able to learn more, just football in general, what we're supposed to know, seeing coverages, seeing defenses, just knowing what we're supposed to be doing on each play and just eliminating a lot of mental errors that we've had this year. Spencer Brash joining us here on Nuanas Now. It's ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Or maybe you're catching this on the Big Sky Breakdown podcast. No matter how you're listening, thanks for being here. Uh, Spencer, Tell us about your path to Cal Poly, because I know you started there at Cal Berkeley, and uh, that, that's two prestigious academic institutions, to be sure. You mentioned you're from Arizona, from Gilbert, Arizona, in the Phoenix area. Uh, just take us through kind of your path, your college career so far. What led you to Cal Poly ultimately? 
Uh, I started off when I got recruited from Baldwin to Cal, and the coaching staff changed. Just a little bit of a change for me just up there at Cal. Um, I just decided that it wasn't the best for me to stay in that area. So I went to the portal just trying to look for a new place I would be accepting and also just another great academic school because I just didn't want to leave Berkeley to go to another place. So I've still been really strong with the academics in that way. So hearing Baldwin reach out to me when I hit the portal and then being able to still offer that academic excellence that we have here and everything from that I had at Berkeley here and then also being able to play football again was just one of the biggest driving factors of my option to come here. What what, uh, what are you going to school for? Uh, right now I'm in anthropology and geography, um, and then I have a minor in exercise and sports studies. Oh, very cool. I actually got a minor in geography uh, once upon a time, which is uh, very fascinating to learn about. Um, I mean, when you are balancing sort of the academic rigors with football, I mean, football is going to be hard from a time management standpoint doing the school part no matter where you're at. But when you're at a really hard school, I'm sure it's even more challenging. How do you, how do you go about just balancing that? It's just a lot of time. You don't get a lot of free time to go do a lot. Like, you're still just enjoying yourself. But it's just you got to de- dedicate time each day to both school and football. You can't just choose one or the other, and then you start falling behind. So each day you got to be able to focus on the times of football and then school and vice versa, just going back and forth between the two. When it comes to this matchup this weekend, then, first of all, I'm sure you guys are happy to be home. Yeah, it's going to be great to be home again. What do you think of the, the matchup with Montana State then? What, what do you see out of their defense, and uh, what are you guys looking at so far uh, early week here as you prepare for the Bobcat? Montana State's a great team, definitely going to be a challenge for us. We're just coming out to compete. We're definitely going to come out to win this game. That's our goal. And to just be able to compete with this team, just show that we still are a team that can compete with anyone. We just have been – our record has showed up a little bit on the wrong side. So we just need to start building the confidence in our team and the people around us a lot more, but being able to just compete with a, a great team like Montana State is would just be a huge victory for us. Well, they uh, they play a ton of man on the outside, and, and that's given them a lot of big plays, but also they've given up a lot of big plays because of it. So uh, when it comes to just attacking man coverage in general, what does that mean for you as a quarterback? What do you think of that challenge? Uh, nothing different from what we've done. Just keep playing the game that we have. Coach is giving us game plan, and us being able to do what we're given from our coaches and work from that. Learning from Coach Baldwin, I've been around Coach Baldwin for a long time. I actually even covered him way back in his Central Washington days. And uh, he's such a great dude and such a smart coach. What have you learned from him, though, and what sort of confidence do you have in him and just the, sort of this offensive scheme that he's proven over and over again it can be successful? Uh, just a lot of stuff. Even just our yards this year, we, we show that we moved the ball. But it's got to get better when we get closer to the red zone on the fringe and getting in the red zone. We just have to get a lot better, but we've showed that we can move the ball. We can be able to push the ball down the field continuously, game in, game out, uh, being higher on the offense of, like, passing yards. We just know that we can do it, but we just need to be able to finish and move on from what we've done. Montana State at Cal Poly, the second-to-last weekend of the regular season. Spencer Brash, Cal Poly quarterback, joining us here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. Spencer, last thing for you, then, what, what do you think are the keys for you guys if you're going to come out on top against the Bobcats on Saturday? Everyone stay mentally focused, come out from first half to the last, and being able to compete. Spencer Brash, Cal Poly, they host the Bobcats on Saturday. Spencer, thanks for being here, man. Thank you very much.
Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. College Athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Coulter Nuanas here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. Montana State Minute. Happy Wednesday, everybody. We do the, this Montana State Minute each Wednesday during the 4.30 slot here on Nuanas Now, talking to people from across Bobcat Athletics, and particularly this time of year, the Bobcat football team. Montana State coming off a thrilling 41-38 win over Northern Arizona. They did it in walk-off fashion. We're joined now by Taylor Housewright, the offensive coordinator there for the Bobcats. And uh, Coach, for people that cover it and people that watch it, thrilling, but maybe maybe not as thrilling for you guys as coaches, but a win's a win's a win, especially when you're in Flagstaff. So uh, take us through it. What did you think of your guys' ability to persevere? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the... Uh what they've done all season, you know, whatever the situation is, losing a starting quarterback in one game or injuries or whatever, our guys just keep playing and they're passionate and they work their butts off and they try to do exactly what we want them to do. And we've done a good job as a coach to put in positions to make plays. You know, I think Saturday um, we got up 17 nothing um, quick um, and then really probably had the worst quarter of the year, the second quarter. You know, um, as far as missing throws downfield, um, dropping passes downfield, missing blocks interior-wise and just not executing what we want. And it happens, right? We've been consistent. And and then um, I think the best part is nobody panicked. We came out at halftime uh, as an offense and drove down in six and a half minutes and scored. Put a long drive together and um, I think um, scored seven in that quarter and then 17 in the fourth quarter. You know, and I think our guys believe that it doesn't matter what happens. We, if we, as long as we have a chance on offense to win it at the end, that we, have, we can go and do it. So, yeah, proud of them to keep fighting. Um, it was sloppy, but you got to win those games sometimes and fight through it. Tommy Malott, after the game, uh, mentioned that uh, the, the last play that set up Blake Lesnar's walk-off field goal, the, the 64-yard uh, deep ball from, from Tommy to, to Taco Dowler, you said that they've been practicing that and then that you guys have been running some scramble drill and, and really getting uh, that honed in. So, um, you know, when you just see it, it maybe just looks like a huck and chuck, but it, it's something you guys have worked on. So that must make you happy that, uh, you know, things that you're working on that are those little details are coming to fruition in games. Yep. Yes. I uh, actually, I for the last month, we've been working on that every Tuesday to roll out right, get hit out of bounds and throw it 60 something yards to Taco downfield and uh that's exactly how i planned it for sure (laughs) 
No, you know, I think whenever you have athletic quarterbacks scrambling, shoot, Johnny Menzel won a Heisman off of just scrambling around and making plays, and I think that's part of college football, which is different than the NFL. So I think it's hard, you know, when you're a high school quarterback, you play with those guys since you were a peewee, so you have a feel for each other. Um, and I think in college, it's all about chemistry and the passing game and playing with those guys. And um, we always work scramble drill and, and not just taking off scrambling to run at quarterback, but scrambling to find somebody open. And I think the great ones do that. And they also know when everybody's covered to take off. But, you know, it is funny. It sim- seems to be Taco's got a good feel for that. I don't know. I think in high school, he had to, they did quite a bit of that. And Tommy and him have been on the same page with it, even in practice. So it's it's cool to see, you know, working those drills, scramble drill and all that stuff come to real life. Um, and it's kind of like slow motion. You see I'm in the box and you saw it coming because you kind of see it in practice in some aspect. Um, and I'm sitting there. Here you go. You know, taco, 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 because you see ta- taco take off and great throw by Tommy. Obviously, I didn't realize how good of a throw it was during the game, um, getting hit out of bounds and everything. But sometimes, sometimes the football gods are on your side. Sometimes they're not. And they were Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Taylor House right joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN Montana app. It is our Montana State Minute here on your Wednesday. Uh, last question about the past before we talk, start talking about this upcoming game, Coach. I, I asked Coach Vegan this this week as well, but um, now that you have a, a nine-game sample size from this year, where are you at just with the progression of Tommy Malau? I mean, what do you like about what he's been able to do, and, and where are there still room for growth? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at um, – I think obviously we know he can run, right? And I think that the key going into the season was the passing game. And, you know, I think he's played and uh, started and finished in five games now, you know, outside of his injuries roughly. And, you know, he's completing 63% of his passes with nine touchdowns. And, and um, um, you take out the Oregon State game, really one interception, you know what I mean, in FCS play. And that's what you want. You want a guy to be efficient. And, and obviously we're an offense that's going to run the football and – take our shots downfield, but we, we want to take care of the football. And, and I think seeing his progression as a young man and his skill sets in the passing game, but also just his mentality going into a game and just going to play and have fun, um, that's the key. You know, obviously, being a quarterback, sometimes there's a lot you put a lot of pressure on you that doesn't need to be had from fans and all those things, but um, I think he's having fun. I'm with, and that's what I want for him, and um, he works his butt off. I never got to worry about that. Um, and he enjoys winning, and that's number one, uh, obviously. But I think he, you know, the other part is I think he took a t- step Saturday in understanding, okay, I am the leader of this team, and I want the ball in my hands at the end of the game. And it was fun to see that. Well, let's talk about this upcoming matchup then. Uh, Cal Poly, a team that's still in search of their first league victory, uh, but another road trip to another place that not a lot of guys have been. So what do you think of the challenge this week? Yeah, I mean, we're a young football team, I mean, specifically on offense and um I think anytime you have an away game um, where you're practicing in terrible weather here and we're outside and you're going there and it's probably going to be beautiful and nice and timing's going to be different, all those things. But you're going to a team who's been fighting, you know, um, hasn't quite hasn't quite put a bunch of wins together but um you want to see your guys respect them you know and we're going to respect them obviously i wouldn't allow them not to um but see us uh, bring our a game you know we didn't bring our a game last week for whatever reason that's our job as coaches and hopefully this week we can correct that um and see a, a younger offense go in there and execute um to perfection and keep striving for that well one of the things that makes this time of year such a great time of year is just the the, the fact that there is so many guys that can kind of see the the end of their careers fastly approaching, but th- then those guys embracing that. And I talked to RJ Fitzgerald mm-hmm. earlier this week, and, and he was really, 
you know, had great perspective on that. You know, he knows that he's he's only going to play football for a few more months here. Uh, you know, if things go mm-hmm. right. Uh, what do you think about this that element, particularly from his perspective, but also some of the other guys that are that are fifth and sixth year seniors and, and their careers kind of winding down? Yeah, I mean, I think the beautiful thing about sports is you can stay in the moment. You know, and I think a lot of those guys do. And I tell our guys, don't look. We can reflect a little bit on what's happened this year, good and bad, to enjoy it. But don't look ahead. Stay 24 hours at a time and worry about that. You start looking ahead, as any of us do as adults or kids or whatever. That's when the anxiety starts setting in and the the disappointments and uh, craziness. Just stay in the moment and enjoy it. And I think those... uh, you can go one or two ways as a senior. You can kind of look ahead and be sad and, and pout and do all those things and say, hey, this is it. Or you can stay in the moment and just truly, truly enjoy it um, and and uh, do whatever you can to help this football team. That's why when you have senior-led teams, regardless if they're all superstars or not, you have a good football team because they keep everybody in check and understand what it takes and how hard it is. Um, and they have this perspective, if you will, um, that every day is a new day and you got to keep working. And from RJ's perspective, I mean, he's been so consistent just in the in the toughness that he brings. So how much has that helped just kind of set the tone for the offense these yeah, last couple I of years? Mean, oh, RJ's, yeah, I mean, RJ's exactly what you want as a football player mentality-wise. You know, he would he had to show up and run through a wall every day. Um, he would, you know, and um, whether we have him in the game plan a ton or we don't have him in the game plan, he's the same kid and he's a great teammate. And um, if he had one play a game, he'd want that one play to be the best play of the year. You know, and, and guys like that is what makes this program go. Guys like that, uh, Montana kids, is what uh, makes Montana State special, you know, and different than everybody else in the country because we got kids like that that were raised here, played football here, and now um, have pride for this university. Taylor House right here on Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Last thing for you, Coach, uh, what are the keys for you guys against Cal Poly? What are you looking to see? What are you hoping to see? And uh, how do you go to California and get a victory? Yeah, I think we got to take care of the football first and foremost. I think we got to find a way to run the ball, however that is. Um, and we got to be more efficient in the passing game. We weren't Saturday, and that hurt us. We had a chance to put them away, um, and we didn't because um, we're, we're still still continuing to work on the passing game, and we're getting better. We were better last year than they've been for a while, and we were better this year than we are last year, but still got a lot of work to do. So I'd like to see us be efficient, take care of the football, and find ways to run the football. He's Taylor Housewright, Montana State Offensive Coordinator. Coach, thanks for being here. Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, JMV Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JMV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a Scotty, JMV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. If you can't make it in, JMV also has a great website, jvrestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JMV, your restaurant specialist. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com rewards to register and start saving. Let's go to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in. Sam Herter, Hero Sports, Bet MGM, senior FCS analyst who joins us to lead Wednesday's shows throughout this football season. Sam, what's going on, my man? First of all, how's it going over there? Um, I'm assuming you're in Minneapolis. Do you guys got the same wintry weather that we got? 
No, not yet. Uh, it's been rainy most of this week, and it's supposed to be rainy the rest of this week. But temperature-wise, we're not quite cold enough for that rain to turn into snow. So, uh, yeah, kind of. It kind of feels like more like spring right now, honestly, with kind of dead grass and, and rainy weather than it does compared to you know winter. But winter is certainly coming around the corner here. Well, I've ruined three pairs of shoes this week already, so you know that's what I get for. Uh not having the proper footwear when it just pounds 10 inches of snow in the middle of Montana. You think, uh, being here, I, I'd figure this out by now. Let's talk around uh, the FCS landscape. I know uh, up at Hero Sports you had a recent uh, bracketology article, and this is always interesting to just see how the bracket continues to transform and just uh, the if-this-then-that sort of uh, methodology that you use. But just tell people kind of about your process. When you're analyzing the FCS on a national level, how do you go about diagnosing things, and uh, what is sort of the things you look at, especially now that we have a big sample size? There's a lot of teams that have played nine, even ten games already this year. So uh, what goes into you sort of projecting your brackets as we get now towards the uh, the stretch run of the regular season here? Yeah, I start doing my weekly bracketology, I think, in, like, middle of October. Um, and obviously at this point, or at that point, you know, it's it's – you know, kind of just conjecture and, and no one should take it overly serious because there's a lot of games to go, but it is fun uh, for me week to week where you say, okay, this team just lost to this team. You know, how does that impact their potential seeds? And so um, now we're at the point where I really start looking at resumes and I start looking at future matchups uh, as well. And so when I do my bracketology, I'm looking at uh, division one wins, ranked wins. Uh, I don't look at ranked wins at the time. Uh, I look at ranked wins now. Um, so when, you know, for example, I, I think Eastern Washington was still ranked when Montana State beat them. Uh, I no longer consider that a ranked win for uh, Montana State. Uh, so I look at that. I definitely look at strength of schedule. I look at upcoming games. I'm going to actually do my bracketology. Uh, I think one thing that maybe people enjoy the most about reading through my bracketology is, you know, if they're not familiar with how it works, is learning about how the playoff committee forms the bracket because I, I do it the exact same way as, as the playoff committee where – you know, regionalization and auto bids um, and pairing teams up via, uh, via regionalization um, and bus trips and all that sort of stuff. And I also have some information about how the seeds are, are ordered in the voting process for how the seeds are ordered one through eight. And so um, it takes me a decent amount of time and research, but I, I hope that when people read through it, um, they're not just, you know, necessarily reading my opinion, but maybe learning some things about some teams and how the process works. Well, then it always comes with, you know, you say don't take it too serious, but then a lot of the people that uh, read it definitely do take it way too serious. And then all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> Sam Herder hates my team. We got to get a T-shirt that says it. Actually, I think somebody might have even made you some sweatshirts or something last year, right? Yeah, it was, I, I want to <laughs> say it was in 2020, uh, a couple of people. I didn't have anything to do with it, really. A couple of people just thought it'd be a funny idea. Um, and I said, yeah, go ahead. And then we donated all the all the proceeds, so I think COVID research or something like that. and. Um, I don't know, I think we sold like 50 T-shirts a few years ago, and <laughs> nice. so there's there's some out there still that uh, people wear. And then I know like my three-year-old nephew has one, and so whenever I visit them, he's always wearing it. And so, um, yeah, it's 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 kind of funny. <laughs> Sam Hero, Sam Herder, excuse me, Hero Sports. I'm on Hero Sports right now uh, as we do this segment uh, with Sam. He's a FCS senior analyst there at Hero Sports. He joins us uh, each Wednesday here on Nuanas. Now you're listening to ESPN Radio. Maybe watch it, SWX Montana Television, or uh, streaming in on the ESPN uh, MT app. Uh, Sam, now that we do have this sample size, uh, 
just go through it with us a little bit. I know that there's been some some automatic qualifiers now. Uh, South Dakota State punched their ticket uh, for certain. They will be the automatic qualifier out of the Missouri Valley Football Conference. St. Francis, uh, out of the Northeastern Conference, has punched their ticket. And uh, Holy Cross out of the Patriot League, who's been one of the rapid risers and now maybe has an inside track at a seed as one of the last undefeated teams left in the uh, the FCS. They've also punched it. Is there any other teams that you consider shoe-ins? Or I guess, first of all, what do you think of those automatic qualifiers and how does that influence the rest of your bracketology? Yeah, you know, it, it makes it a, a little easier, uh, especially for some of those conferences. I mean, the NEC is always a one-bit conference, and so, you know, when they have multiple teams at the top, uh, you know, sometimes that can make it a little difficult to, to try to project who's going to make it in, but the NEC has their auto bid. The Patriot League is is usually a one big a one bid conference, uh, and Holy Cross has that auto bid. Fordham might get in that large bid out of the Patriot this year, um, and then you know South Dakota State. You know it, it's interesting because the auto bids out of conferences like the Missouri Valley Football Conference and the Big Sky don't really matter. Uh, you know there there's been a, a time in the there's been a uh, I think an example in the past where South Dakota State got the auto bid, uh, but North Dakota State was still seated higher. And so, um, you know, if you're a Montana State fan and, and you finish 8-0 and then Sac State finishes 8-0, and I think the AQ in that situation would go to Sac State, it doesn't really matter for Montana State whether they have the auto bid or not. You know, they're still obviously going to make it in. But uh, just, just having some of those auto bids uh, in some of these conferences makes it a little easier. Let's talk about then how you see the bracket shaping up. I guess we still have a lot to be determined, but uh, this most recent bracketology that you got on the website, I, it has uh, Sac State in. And I think that I think that the Hornets have certainly now figured they don't have the auto qual, auto qualifier yet, but I think that they have solidified themselves as a playoff team. They have nine victories. Montana State got their eighth win last week, so I think they're in no matter what happens. Weber State, you have as a projected seed. What do the Wildcats need to do then out of the Big Sky Conference to solidify that seed? Yeah, I think if they win out, uh, that's you know gives them a, a, a good opportunity to be a seed. Now they do have a non-counter uh, in there, which which sometimes can hurt. Uh, essentially, non-counter means you, you played and beat a Division Two team uh, or you know lower than Division One team. It could be Division Two, Division Three, NAI. Um, and so if, if Weber State finishes, it wins out and finishes 9-2, and two, you know, really the committee looks at them as 8-2. As and two. Um, You know, they, 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 they basically take that non-counter off of it. But Weber State does have an FBS win over Utah State, and we know the committee puts a lot of stock into FBS wins, and so maybe those, those cancel each other out. But, you know, Weber State kind of has that brand name uh, at 9-2, and two, you know, two close losses to what, potentially could be seeds uh, in Sac State and Montana State. That, that's probably a pretty good uh, resume to, to get a seed there. And so I think Weber State, if they win out, uh, certainly has a good chance at a seed. How about uh, the rest of the big sky? Uh, Idaho looks like they have an inside track, but they probably need to do some work. And Montana, uh, you have them as your 24th team, so your last team in. Uh, so start with the Vandals. How close are the Vandals to securing a bid, and uh, what do they need to get done? Had to get in the playoffs. Yeah, so Idaho right now uh, is six and three, but six and one versus the FCS. Uh, again, kind of like non-counter wins. Any losses to uh, FBS teams get thrown out the window uh, by the committee, and so 
if Idaho wins out, they would be eight and three overall, but really would be eight and one in the eyes of the FCS playoff committee. I mean, Idaho could, you know, range anywhere from being a C to playing on uh, playing on uh, November uh, th- or Thanksgiving weekend. You know, if Idaho does happen to win out, uh, you know, that would require beating UC Davis and then winning at Idaho State. They would be eight and one versus the FCS. Uh, you know that. I don't know if that would get them a seed uh, per se, just because they would have, uh, you know, not, they would only have one ranked win over Montana. But you know, let's say the Grizz beat the Bobcats, and all of a sudden that win for Idaho looks even better. Their win against Montana looks even better. And you know, if if Montana wins out and finishes eight and three by beating uh, Montana State, all of a sudden you know that kind of puts the Grizz in contention for a seed. But if you're going to seed the Grizz, then you got to seed Idaho. Um, and so I think Idaho. First, obviously, needs to win out, but Idaho is actually probably cheering for Montana now to win out to um, hopefully get into that seed discussion and have a first-round bye. Sam Herter joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Sam covers the FCS on a national level at Herosports.com and for BetMGM. Doing some bracketology here on uh, your radio dial. So how about the Grizzlies then? Montana got... Back to the winning ways, snapping a three-game losing streak against Cal Poly. Don't know how much you can take from it, given that Cal Poly is the last team in the Big Sky without a conference win. But nonetheless, uh, Montana back on track, and they have a lot in front of them. Uh, where are we at with the Grizzlies? What are the Grizzlies to get done? Do you think the Montana can get in as a seven-win team? Has that changed at all? Because I know you were a little on the fence about that uh, earlier this season. Yeah, honestly, it has a lot to do with what happens elsewhere. Um, I mean, if the SoCon, there's a there's a chance that the SoCon gets three teams in, but if Mercer, uh, you know, picks up a win, uh, a ranked win, then the, the the committee might have a hard time leaving all four SoCon teams out. Uh, there are four basically four SoCon teams, you know, in contention. Uh, whether all four actually make it, that depends on results. Right now, out of the CAA, there are probably six realistic teams that all will have a resume saying we should make the playoffs. Now, six CAA teams aren't going to make it in, but, you know, if results go a certain way, the, the playoff committee might say, well, these five teams kind of need to uh, to make it in. There's also other results that could happen where maybe only four CAA teams uh, make it in. Uh, same thing with, with the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Uh, you know, Youngstown State, if they win out, they have eight Division One wins. Does that mean they're in? Uh, in the OVC, uh, the auto bid there will be between – SEMO and UT Martin, uh, they both, they don't play each other this year. And so the auto bid out of the OVC will come down to a coin flip. Uh, and if SEMO gets that coin flip, UT Martin will probably not be an at-large bid uh, because they don't have that great of a resume. But if UT Martin wins that coin flip, SEMO is going to have nine division one wins and probably will get an at-large bid. And so the OVC could be a one bid league or a two bid league and stuff like that matters because when we're looking at the last three, four spots in the playoffs, uh, you know, this is this is the type of stuff that Grizz fans will, will want to be paying attention to uh, if they do finish seven and four. Because if if, if Montana finishes eight and three, they are for sure in. Uh, not sure if they would get a seed or not at eight and three, uh, but would for sure be in the bracket at seven and four. Um, you know, you you could be stacking your resume up at at seven and four against a nine division one win Fordham team or an eight division one win. Youngstown State team or SEMO who has nine division one wins or two or three plus three or four more CAA teams that have eight division one wins. And so, 
is Montana in at seven and four right now? I think they are in, uh, but I do think they need certain results to go their way to kind of loosen up that bubble. Uh, because right now there's probably, I don't even know. There, there's a lot, a lot of teams across the FCS that can hit seven division one wins. And once you hit seven D one wins, that at least kind of puts you into the at-large pool where the committee will talk about your resume. Um, and so Montana doesn't want to be one of those seven and four teams. They, they certainly want to be eight and three and feeling good on selection Sunday. So it sounds like Montana still needs to keep on winning down the stretch and particularly uh, in Bozeman. Let's uh, just play a little hypothetical here, Sam. Let's say Montana State wins this weekend against Cal Poly and the Grizz win this weekend at home against Eastern Washington. Then give me the scenarios of those two teams based on then the result of the rivalry game. Yeah, so I I think – I think if Montana State wins out, uh, they are probably looking at the number three seed. Uh, you know, obviously beating they would be ten and zero versus the FCS. Uh, they would probably be seated behind Sac State and behind South Dakota State. But I do think Montana State would be seated one spot ahead of North Dakota State. Uh, you know, the Bobcats at ten and zero versus the FCS. They would have one more Division One win uh, than NDSU, um, one more ranked win as well, plus a stronger strength of schedule. And so I think MSU would be. Uh, ranked or seeded number three. Uh, then we already talked about kind of what Montana would look at um, as far as being a seven and four team would be right on the bubble, 50 50 chance of them getting in. Now, if the Grizz beats Montana State and the Grizz finish eight and three, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think now. I don't know if that would get Montana a seed. It might, but at the same time, I think overall body of work, Montana State at nine and one. Uh, against the FCS would probably still be a seed. Uh, Sac State is going to be a seed. And like I said a little earlier, if you're going to seed Montana, you certainly have to seed Idaho uh, as well, assuming Idaho uh, wins out. And so there's just a lot of scenarios there. Um, but I think Montana State, if they lost to Montana, would still probably have a pretty good chance uh, at a seed. Um, and then the Grizz at 8-3 and three would, would also have a chance at a seed as well. And I know that kind of sounds backwards. You know, why would, why would Montana State get a seed in Montana once uh, when, when the Grizz just beat Montana State, but I think the committee looks at overall body of work, and Montana State would probably have a better argument uh, to be seated, but at the same time, we could, you know, we could see four Big Sky teams that are seated in this scenario. Well, that's been the case uh, the last couple years, so we'll see. Uh, what from a outside of the Big Sky Conference, from a national level, what are some of the most intriguing matchups these last two weeks of the season that could influence the bracket here, Sam? Oh yeah, there are uh, a lot. You know, I, I mentioned the the four SoCon teams uh, that are in playoff contention. They all play each other this weekend. Number thirteen Furman uh, goes to number fourteen Mercer. Then number ten Samford goes to number eleven Chattanooga. Uh, out of the CAA, there's two more ranked matchups between playoff hopefuls. Number twenty two Rhode Island is going to number twenty one New Hampshire. Uh, number twelve Richmond is going to number seventeen Delaware. Um, you know, you look at North Dakota State playing at Southern Illinois. That, I think, could be a sneaky close game. Uh, Southern Illinois, if they went out, uh, which would obviously require beating the Bison, they would have seven Division One wins plus beating the Bison. That probably means Southern Illinois is in. Uh, SIU has been up and down. They're coming off of uh, a bye week, and it's at home. And so that could be a tricky spot for uh, for North Dakota State. Um, you know, Illinois State is playing at South Dakota State this weekend. Uh, the Jacks do have a Week 12 bye. 
Uh, and so if, if Illinois State, you know, they basically need to win out to hit seven Division One wins, and so they're going to be, you know, putting everything out there uh, against South Dakota State. But if the Jacks win, you know, like I said, I think we'll get a top two seed. And so, um, you know, obviously the Brawl of the Wild will be massive as well. You know, UC Davis at Idaho I think is a huge game. Um, UC Davis I, I think is sitting at five and four right now, but they basically need to win out. And if UC Davis does win out, that would mean ranked wins over Idaho and Sac State and it would be, you know, pretty hard to, to leave UC Davis out. And so that's, um, you know, if you're a Grizz fan, you're probably not rooting for UC Davis uh, to win because a 7-4 and UC Davis team versus a 7-4 and potential Montana team, UC Davis is certainly going to get the nod uh, there. And so um, there's like a, <laughs> there's like 100,000 different scenarios uh, that we could talk through about what all impacts uh, the FCS playoffs. And if this result happens, what does it mean for that team? Um, which makes it really fun because the bubble was, was not too packed last year at this time, uh, but this year it's there's just a ton of different results uh, that can shake out different ways that will all impact the playoff picture. I know I've asked you in the last couple of weeks about Holy Cross, but I got to ask you again. The the uh, Crusaders are sitting now at nine and zero. They're five and zero in the Patriot League. They beat Lehigh forty one fourteen, and uh, most bracketologists have them as a seed, including yourself. You have them there at number five. When I think about the FCS playoffs, I'd like to think that the seeded teams would have a chance to make a run at a national championship, and I too, I could get talked into Sac State, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, Montana State, Weber State, Sanford. I could even get talked into Incarnate Word making a run. I just have such a hard time believing Holy Cross could make a run, but maybe I'm just completely naive and I just haven't watched an up-close-and-personal version of Holy Cross. So, uh, sell me on them. Could, could they could they make a run in the playoffs? I don't know if they could make a national title run, but I also don't know if if Stanford or UIW can make a national title run either. But uh, the thing is, with Holy Cross, they are a bit more proven on the national stage, uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people look down at the Patriot League, but hey, the Patriot League has sent. Uh, teams to the quarterfinals uh, before Colgate made the quarterfinals in 2018 and in 2015. Um, And guess who they beat both of those times? James Madison. Uh, And so it's not like these teams uh, are non-scholarship or anything. They do have um, some really good players. And every once in a while, like what happened with Colgate those couple of years and what's happening with Holy Cross now is you get, you know, two really good recruiting classes in a row. You let them develop for four or five years. Now all of a sudden they have a really good senior and junior class. I mean, Holy Cross is making some noise. Um, and I think, in my opinion, it is, it is okay to look at what happened last year a little bit uh, to set a basis, especially when we're looking at a Holy Cross team that's undefeated with an FBS win. And by the way, that FBS win is pretty good uh, against Buffalo, uh, who's turned out to be a pretty decent G5 team this year. But when you're trying to figure out, okay, how good is this team really? Um, I think I've said it before on the show, it, it's essentially the same look team uh, as last year, just one year better, one year more experienced. And last year's team nearly beat Villanova. It was like a 14-13, you know, <laughs> uh, just a, uh, kind of a defensive battle there. And Holy Cross went toe-to-toe with Villanova, who was the CAA co-champ, who was seeded, uh, who played South Dakota State pretty tough uh, the next round. Uh, and Villanova also beat James Madison last year. And so uh, last year's results between Holy Cross and Nova kind of told me that, okay, you know, this team, this team has the talent. They have the physicality. They have the play in the trenches to kind of go toe-to-toe with with maybe not the top tier of the FCS, but they're certainly there um, in the second tier uh, of the FCS. And so um, I think 
Holy Cross, if they do go 11-0 uh, with that FBS win, I do think they will be seeded. Can they beat, you know, one of the top-tier teams? Probably not, but, you know, could they beat the CAA champ? I, I think they probably could. Could they beat the SOCON champ? I, you know, I, I think they would have a pretty good chance uh, at that. So um, I do think it, it, it is a good team. Um, and like I said, we, we kind of have seen this squad and these players and how they stack up against some of the top teams in the FCS. If we do want to base off of last year, whether that's fair or not, you know, I don't know, but um, that's kind of something I look at. I want to send Bill Simmons an email because he's a Holy Cross alum and I just, he's never talked about it on his podcast. I just want him to know that his alma mater <laughs> is doing great in the FCS. It's Sam Herder, Hero Sports, joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. Sam, the, uh, Senior FCS Analyst for Hero Sports and Bet MGM. That's a lot of information, man. I appreciate it. If you want to check out Sam's Bracketology, the latest one, 7.0 here on the first week of November, just go to herosports.com, click on the uh, the FCS tab there, and you can find all of this great information right there in front of you. Sam, keep up the great work, man, and uh, thanks so much for always joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for being here. Sounds good. I uh, appreciate you having me on, and hopefully I will be seeing you next week. So I'll be I'll be arriving in Bozeman uh, nice. next Thursday for the Brown of the Wild. So I uh, definitely should uh, meet up there and talk in person. Can't wait, man. Can't wait to see you. Travel safe. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, Sam Herter, Hero Sports, uh, here on Nuanas Now. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Also have to thank all of our Fit During Football sponsors as well. I've been trying to really keep the fitness honed in. Keep the mind fresh. I made a lot of health changes in my life. Gave up the the drinking, gave up the boozing, and uh, been trying to eat as healthy as possible. And so, been staying on track with the help from the guys over at uh, Nutrition on Reserve here in Missoula. As I sit here in the Garden City, the uh, high protein intake it helps you a lot. It helps curb the appetite. Helps also helps with muscle recovery. Helps you feel fresh. My mind feels great, and uh, it helps you work out a lot harder as well. So that's been a, a welcome addition for me, and also been hitting hard at both the Hype House, uh, which is a cycling and strength studio. Awesome place, very welcoming environment. Totally outside my comfort zone, but they have awesome spin classes, but also awesome strength classes too. So you can get your lifting in over there as well and uh, get some high resistance type training. That's uh, really good for building that lean muscle mass. And also got to say thanks to Hot House Yoga. They've been great as well, uh, helping me relax, wind down, you know, it, it, but it does, it kind of juices you up a little bit too, you know, because you, you get to sit there and be with your thoughts and stretch it out. And it's very challenging physically too. A lot of body weight strength being built as well. But you kind of just get to be, you just get to be and you get to let, let go of things and, and really explore your own mind. And uh, it helps you return to center. And then if you're doing it early in the day or in the middle of the day, boom, you hit it and charge hard towards the rest of the day. So, yeah, thanks all those great sponsors for uh, helping me out. If you want to learn more, you can visit all their websites, Nutrition on Reserve, Hype House, and the Hot House Yoga Studio. Check out all those fine sponsors if you're trying to get fit. I promise you, you won't regret the decision. 
Okay, we're going to go back to front on this because we already been talking for like 30 minutes and most of the stuff we were saying is super confidential secret information. So we can't broadcast it over the podcast waves. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. We're down here at Westpac Wealth, Nick Tabor, uh, one of our contributors as well as one of our fine sponsors here at Skyline Sports. Uh, without getting into the, uh, the weeds of the actually what happened on Tuesday, how does the election affect the uh, – the state of affairs and the economy in the country. Cause I think that that's something that people are, are really under, wondering about. Nick is, brings us our financial uh, tip of the week. I guess it's been a couple of weeks. Might, crazy how things have changed. And the, since the last time I was down here, you had like a one week old baby and now you got a six week old baby. We haven't, we haven't, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen each other in a little while, but uh, we the Grizz have had a three game losing streak. <laughs> we were talking about an Idaho loss last time. And then it was two more after that. But uh, regardless, Again, without getting into the political side of the thing, I mean, elections always have an influence on the economy, more because of the, the confidence of the consumer, right? Uh, so where are we at just with uh, what's going down right now and then maybe optimism or pessimism in terms of what's uh, in the near future? So the markets and the economy like it have a mixed government. That's the best it can possibly be. Totally. So, um, you know, in today's day and age, it's goofy. We can't really actually find out what the final full results are until here we are two days later. But... I think that it's. I think it's going to turn out good for the for the markets. I think that. Uh, I think that. So obviously, there's no presidential election, but the the Congress looks like the House of Representatives is going to change mm-hmm. from Democrat to, to to Republican, and it looks like at least that the Senate's going to be split. And, and well, they'll find out after this runoff election in Georgia. But as of now, it looks like I think Nevada. I think it looked right now Nevada and Alaska are Republican. So it's 50-50, I think, now, and then I think I things will be close to split. So that's the best thing for the, the markets. That's what the markets want is a split government. They don't want, whether it's the, the left or the right, right, they don't want either side in too much power because that's when big change happens. There's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. So that's so I think it, I think it turned out probably as good as, as it could have turned out for, I think, for everybody involved because it's, it's going to be totally mixed, but for certainly the markets. In the economy because there's not going to be any big sweeping tax law change. There's not going to be any big sweeping change of any sort. So I think it's all right. It's kind of funny. We can't, we don't really know who, what side, right. side totally won or anything like that. Sure. But, um, it seemed like the markets were pretty milk toast yesterday after the election. Uh, they didn't, I think they, they were down a bit, but now they're way back today, but that has nothing to do with the election. That has all, everything to do with the interest rate or the, uh, I'm sorry, the inflation reading coming down so they think that the inflation has peaked so today you're seeing a huge huge pop-up in the market yeah i mean it's a good question though Uh, politics aside from like uncertainty and not nothing big happening one they both both sides of politics like to claim that you know they're better for the markets history has proven none of that there's no (laughs) correlation so i think what happened on tuesday is probably the best we could ask for in terms of what the markets will do so should we go buy all our stocks back or what yeah buy it all <laughs> it's uh you always say something good they always say uh, stocks are the only thing that people question to buy when they're on sale right yeah. <laughs> right now they're on sale should go buy them we uh yeah who knows but we don't what we don't we don't do is we don't we don't time market time we don't sure stock pick uh, obviously we we play a much longer game with our clients but from all uh measurables or all not all but most forecasting models or most uh you know the big the big the big analysts that speak on what they think is going to happen next year 2023 highly likely we're, we'll head into a recession so is that already priced in the market i don't know we'll see what happens but 
uh, like I always say, if you're if you're doing the right things, saving money, and have a disciplined approach to it, which is what we preach every day here at Westpac, then you'll be fi- you'll be fine. Yep. Any other financial stuff to tell the people about? I don't think so. Any any questions from you? <laughs> Colter? Well, I want to know when uh, the the things like the milk and the eggs and the and the uh, gas and stuff are going to get cheaper. That that's Jeez. that's the thing that we really need to help us out here. That's kind of funny. That, that didn't seem to have that big of an impact on the election. Go back to your election question, but I think it's which is actually to, fascinating. That, that sort of stuff catches up to everybody, like you know, for sure. So we're I mean, kind of six, eight months into the deal, and I think this is going to start catching up to people. For so. sure, you can definitely see it. For sure. Um, last time we were sitting here, we were analyzing a loss to Idaho, and then the Grizz went out and lost two more in a row. But now we're here toward the end of the year, and. Uh, Still a lot out in front of Montana, a lot out in front of a lot of these teams in the Big Sky Conference. It's actually been sort of crazy to see that. Uh, I think that I think that this year is such a testament to uh, how it's the full body of work by when it c- comes down to the end of the regular season because UC Davis was dead and gone, and now they're not. Now they have a chance. They win in Idaho this week, and they beat SAC, and they're definitely in. If, even if they split, the they way, could be this in. This is my question for you. Do What's going to happen to that UC Davis-Idaho game? Man, it's a really good question, man. Here's what's here's game? what's interesting. I have watched all the top teams in the Big Sky this year live and in person at least once, and I thought Sac State played well at the very end of the game against Montana, but otherwise played not that great against the Grizzlies. Who Sac State? Sac State, and I thought they played up and down against Idaho when I watched them. I thought Weber did not look very good the two times I watched them against the Cats and the Grizz back to back weeks. I've, so seen, what, what, I've seen the cat get in, in what, I mean obviously you watch the eye of the cat game where they fire five, <laughs> 10 snaps <laughs> I decide from I, that what I, is I, I, so I think that there's two factors here I think that I think what I'm getting to is the two teams I thought actually looked the best in front of me were UC Davis and Idaho Really? I don't, I'm not saying those are the best teams. I just thought that I don't play really well when they came into Washington Grizzly State. They did. Yeah. They played well. And I thought they played. They did exactly what they wanted to do. That's right. And I think they played well against Sac State, too. I, they, they started slow, but then they, they played well. They have such a defined identity, which I think is such a huge testament to Jason Eck. I also thought that Davis was just flat good on offense. I think the huh. quarterback, Miles Hastings, is really talented. I think the running back is. The best guy Who's in the league, game? Alonzo Gilliam. Oh, I think he's right. one of the best guys in the league that I've seen. Yeah. And he's like the only one out of these. There's like this whole group of guys that came in as these incredibly talented freshmen that were starters right away. Isaiah Ponce at Montana State. Josh Davis at Weber State. Elijah Dotson at Sac State, who they ended up transferred to Northern Colorado. And Gilliam. And those first three guys I named are just dead man walking. Like they can't even play anymore because they're so busted up. Gilliam made it to the end. So he deserves tons of credit for that. I also think, though, what I was just saying is, like, part of the analysis is that I think that the teams were feeling the pressure of the huge matchups in a lot of the big-time matchup games. I think that's where Idaho's been playing with house money because every matchup they've had have been sort of unexpected that it was a big matchup on both sides because right. they weren't expected to be good. But, like, Weber was staring down with the, the two-game stretch that they had where they played the Montana school. So I think they played tight in both those games. Mm-hmm. They split them. But they played tight. I think Montana was staring down the barrel, looking at the Sac State Weaver swing, and then they stubbed their toe against Idaho, and then it puts more pressure on them. I just thought that you could see teams sort of feeling the pressure. Yeah. I think that's why the Cats are sitting in first place, because I think the Cats have felt pressure in games and then figured it out at the end. I think Sac State has too, and I think that that's just been the difference. That's been yeah. the difference between those two teams being undefeated and everybody else being sort of chasing those first-place teams. But, yeah. I mean, how crazy is it the margin of victory, right? Sac State is 17 points away from being 3-3 three and three in league. 
but they're six and zero. The Cats are sixteen points away from being three and three in league, but they're six and zero. The Grizz are seventeen points away from being six and zero in league, but they're three and three. You know, Idaho too. The Idaho lost by three and won by seven, and like it's been. No, it's been fascinating. It's, the way it's shaken out is it's, it's obviously shaken out the worst that possibly could work out for the Grizz, for sure. Which has been frustrating and a bummer, but they still have a chance. So the reason why I asked you about the UC Davis Idaho game is because I think that the only pathway, and let's just assume that the Grizz went out. Obviously, sure. they have two. They have Eastern's going to be tough. I don't care what their record is, and of course, the Cat Grizz yeah. game is going to be very tough. But Eastern will be tough too because it's the worst matchup in the league for the Grizz just in right. terms of. What their offense does, yeah, because they can throw the ball at the seat. Yeah, who knows? 100%. I mean, Gunnar, Gunnar Tigerton is not Eric Berrios, so that helps the Grizz, but but he's still good. He's good, and they can attack still, the middle of the he field. He still slings the ball. No, I totally sure. agree. It's not. This is not a given victory by any means. And I don't think. I do not think the Grizz are approaching it that way. I don't think so either. I think the fact um, that it's Eastern Washington helps the Grizz great, a lot too. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be profit at the and mouth. I think we're going to see a different Eastern Washington team than we see. Oh, all, for sure. Almost all year, but but my 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 point about the East the uh, UC Davis Idaho game is assuming that Grizz can win out because that's I mean that's their only chance if they're even if there's even any remote chance of getting a seed, let alone make the playoffs they have to win out. Mm-hmm. But the only way that they'll be able to get a seed if they do win out, which is still a long shot, yep. is Idaho has to get beat by UC Davis. Because yeah. I think if, if Idaho wins out, then they've they'll be a seed. They'll be a seed. And, and rightfully so. They've they've won some tough right, games. An eight and three Idaho team and an eight and three Montana team. They came they're, in to beat, beat us right here, yeah. right here. Yeah, right. so they'll, they'll give it to Idaho. Yeah, and they, they'll be a pretty good draw in the playoffs. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, so what do you think about this uh, parallel? The uh, you followed this division forever, and uh, forever the team that was the hottest team down the stretch had a real chance to make a run at the whole shooting match. Yep, it's only the last ten years or twelve years or whatever since NDSU has risen up that it's the number one seed gets all the home games and they roll to Frisco and then they get win the national championship and it's just rinse and repeat. Right. Forever it was whoever's playing well. You know, I mean. The last Big Sky team to win the national championship, Eastern Washington, they didn't go undefeated. They lost. I, I watched them get their butts whipped in Bozeman by the Cats, and then they just didn't lose again. Well, I've thought about this a lot, too. When the Grizz won the national now people forget, is when the, Grizz, when the Grizz won the national championship in 1995. That's right. I can't remember what the record was in 01. I think they were like almost undefeated, maybe. But um, The record in 01, they lost the very first game of the year to uh, Hawaii, and then they, went, and then they, they went, went undefeated that, after so that. So they lost second. But in ninety, but in ninety five, you're right. I mean, they, they lost got two games. they got drilled by Idaho. Yeah, that was at that game. They lost to Washington they State, and they like got drilled by ten points. That <laughs> for like sure, for sure. Yeah, and uh, and then they got hot. And, but uh, the, you're right, though. People forget too. The Grizz were like the six or seven seed. Yeah, in that bracket, lucky. and they got they got a lot of dominoes to fall their way. So I just I just wonder. I think that that's when you're talking about specifically. Well, not just the Grizz. Actually, I think it's for all of these teams. I think whoever's playing the best could make a run because I actually 100%. think I actually think there's like nine or ten teams that actually are pretty good and pretty even, and I don't think there's that undefeated North Coast State type team this year. So you know, you got your five. Let's just say there's five in the Big Sky that are I think legitimately good. You got yeah. NDSU, SDSU. Yep. Who are the other two and three? Who the, who's good? Well, see, this is this teams? is where my proximity bias and my Big Sky roots just cloud my vision. Like Holy Cross right now is undefeated, and they're projected as the five seed right now. They're nine and zero. They're five and zero in the Patriot League. There's just no way you could convince me that Holy Cross is going to win against any of the Big Sky teams. Like if you're play, if you're if, if Holy Cross had to come to Idaho, Montana, Montana State, or Weber State, I think that they would get their butts kicked. I think I don't. 
Well, maybe I'm just naive. I don't yeah. know, but I just can't imagine that like a Patriot League team is going to be able right. to match no, up. I agree. With That's what I'm so curious about. The one that I also. I just love the fact that that uh, Deion Sanders has got Jackson State. Like, I mean, for sure. But are they? Cont- I mean, well, they won't be in the playoffs because they they go play in the Celebration Bowl. So the SWAC champion and the MEAC champion oh. play in the Celebration Bowl for a million dollar grand prize. So they would much rather do that because they can play in front of sixty five thousand people on national broadcast television for a million dollar grand prize. So Jackson State will not play in the playoffs. Jackson State will not play in the playoffs. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's like, that yeah, makes sense. That's, We've never had a team from that league in the playoffs. And, some, and sometimes, like, the secondary team from the SWAC can take, like, the second-place team, if they're good enough, can take an at-large bid. Or, like, the second-place team from the MEAC can take the auto. The MEAC gets an auto bid, so the second-place team from the MEAC can take an auto bid as well. But then uh-huh. you have teams, but then but then if that happens, like Florida A&M last year took the auto bid and they stole a bid from what would have been a better playoff team. Yeah. Florida A&M was, like, a 7-4 team. But they get the auto bid from that. So, league, like, who was so. the who was the auto bid from? The, who was the first auto bid from the MEAC last year? Like, what team? Man, that I'm trying to think of who who Jackson because Jackson State won the Celebration Bowl last year in Deion Sanders' first year. I'm trying to think of who they beat. I can't remember. So the, that other team does not also play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, well, learn something new every day. We learn That's something cool. new every day. I think the point of the conversation is that uh, I think that there is still, even though we're uh, we're sort of. Down to the end here, there's still a lot to be decided this year. If the Grizz, if the Grizz can, here's the thing. Patrick O'Connell's the Grizz best player. Lucas Johnson's the Grizz most important player. Those two guys, if they're rolling and the rest of the team is relatively healthy, the Grizz still have the, the makeup of the roster that they had in August that they thought could go in the whole thing. They do. 100%. So they just have to figure out a way to get back on track, right? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They got to, you know, I want to see, uh, I would love to see Patrick O'Connell back this week. I mean, obviously for the team and just, he's fun to watch, but just for him, you know, it's a senior year. Last home game, regular season. Um, you know, I just would love to see him. I think he's still very much in the running for some of the top defensive player of the year awards and all that. So, um, yeah, I just want to help. But he was walking around, looked like plenty fine at the game last week on the sideline. Um, but uh, I hope they have their full, the, the guys you just mentioned, back for Eastern and then healthy going to the Cats. And then I do, I think. I think they're just equally in the mixes. Anybody else in terms of capabilities in the postseason? So we'll see. They're gonna the cats. They're gonna be tough game. Eastern's gonna be a tough game. The cats are gonna be a damn tough game. So we'll see how she shakes out. Nick Tabor, Westpac Wealth, helping make your life more tax efficient. We'll be bringing you financial tips throughout uh, the upcoming weeks and months and years and however long we do this. I give t- Nick and his team a call today for any and all of your financial needs. Thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Always fun. Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. Do you want your sports news, commentary, and features from a corporate publication? Would you like to hear it from local experts who have lived in your community their entire lives? At Skyline Sports, Coulter and Brooks Nuanas bring more than two decades of experience to give you old-school journalism with a new-age presentation at SkylineSportsMT.com. The Nuanas brothers provide knowledge from a family who lives Big Sky Conference athletics every day. For $8 a month or 90 bucks a year, get access to comprehensive college Grizz and Bobcat coverage at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every 
every day, every season. Time now for our Grizz Star of the Week. It's presented by Bob Ward's Sports and Outdoors. Grizz have one regular season home game left, so be sure to go check out the Bob Ward's North End Zone Stadium store on game day. Best selection of Grizz gear you're going to find anywhere uh, in Missoula. They also have all the top brands like Under Armour, Nike, North Face. You can also always shop online, bobwards.com. Go down to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in. Grizz Senior Defensive Tackle, Eli Alford. He's our Grizz Star of the Week. Eli, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, man. First and foremost, how's practice today? I only ask because uh, a little <laughs> different than practice has been probably. It's not the nicest weather out there, so how'd it go? No, it was good. It was it was a whole lot of fun, I'll tell you that. Just had everyone flying around. The energy was super positive, and we were just having a really good time out there today. Well, last weekend, uh, it was pretty interesting because you guys got off to a great start against Cal Poly, and then the skies opened up, and the whole field is covered in snow. And I think the boys from California wanted to go home pretty quick there. Uh, but you guys rolled all the way through it. So, uh, I mean, you've played in snow before. Where did that one rank just in terms of weather, the elements, and uh, also your performance in those elements? Uh, that was honestly one of my – I'd rank that up there in top, top one or two. I mean, I've played in a couple snow games in high school, being from Park City and all. But, I mean, being in Washington Grizzly Stadium – with the amount of fans that we had and all the snow coming down, it was just, it's an unexplainable feeling. It was just really electric in there. And I don't know, everyone was just kind of feeding off the snow and we're like, we just kind of took it to heart. We we're giving the Cali kids, we were just joking with them a little bit about the cold and it was a really good time. For sure. And you had a huge play in the first half of the game as well. I came up with your first sack of the season. So, uh, what'd you see on it? How did you make the move? And, and it's interesting too because you guys run such this uh, team-oriented, mechanism-based defense, and so sometimes a sack is like a team statistic, right? And a lot of times the linebackers get to reap the benefits of what you guys up front are doing in terms of clearing the holes and setting up that sweet A-gap blitz that you guys run. But what'd you see on your sack? What'd it feel like to get a sack at home? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was awesome. Like you said, it's it's always a team effort, like. Whenever anyone's making a play, it usually happens because the other five guys up front are doing their job and everyone in the secondary are covering their man. But, yeah, I mean, on that play, I was just – I think I was in a three-tech and uh, it was just kind of a straight-up pass for us and I saw the the inside open up a little bit and I just took a little jab inside. And, I mean, it just kind of freed up and, like, once that stuff happens, it kind of just – Tunnel vision straight down, and then, I don't know, I hit him, next thing you know, I'm getting up, and everyone's, all my buddies are around me celebrating, the crowd is just super loud and electric, and it was one of the best feelings ever, like, it's so much fun, especially partying with all my teammates. Eli Alford here on Nuanas Now, he's our Grizz Star of the Week, presented by Bob Ward's Sports and Outdoors, and uh, speaking of some of those linebackers, I think it's so fun to watch your guys' linebackers fly around, but also so much of the stuff you guys do with your pressure game. And uh, so I want to ask you about the two senior guys from Montana because I think they both have great stories. Uh, just start with Marcus Wildo because he's done such a great job of uh, navigating all the different spots that they've asked him to play, and he's had a prolific senior year here. Uh, but he comes off your butt quite a bit when he's running that uh, A-gap blitz. So <laughs> what do you think makes him good at, at that? I mean, he seems to get home quite a bit, especially when he's coming right up the gut. 
Right. I mean, we just get a lot of practice in, so we're kind of just in tune with each other and the movements each one of us makes. But, yeah, I mean, Marcus is a hell of an athlete and super good guy, and he's just really locked in on his craft and his work. And I think he's just gotten tremendously better at his pass rushes. I think all the backers have done that. But, yeah, just being able to play with him and be his teammate for as long as I have, we've just really got that connection going, and and we just kind of feed off each other. It's such a huge part of modern-day football, modern-day defense is being able to set the edge. And and we always kind of halfway joke, but halfway seriously talk about how when Patrick O'Connell's going at his best, he doesn't just set the edge. He sometimes just erases the edge because he comes off the edge so fast and he's he's just such has such an ability to time it up and, and do so many things in the run and the pass game. So um, what sort of element do you think he brings to your defense and uh, how is he able to get so much pressure like he does? Yeah, I mean, similar to Marcus, like we just practice it day to day. And, I mean, Pat, as you know, is an insane athlete. He's super fast and he's always challenging everyone around him to – like compete with his level of speed, but I just think, yeah, he's an incredible pass rusher and incredible linebacker. I mean, it's kind of hard to compare him to anybody because he's like what he does is really on him, and it's just really fun playing with him. And if I can do anything to set him up to come free or other way around, he'll make a move and it'll free us guys on the inside up. So it goes both ways. But yeah, Pat's just really good at what he does. Eli Alford here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and uh, the ESPN MT app. Eli is a senior defensive tackle for the University of Montana. Uh, tell us just about your, your time in Missoula. You've been here for a while now, and you've joined us on the show before, but now it's uh, it's kind of winding down. And, uh, you, you know, it's uh, I'm sure you're enjoying these, these last weeks and months with your teammates, but what's the experience been like for you? I mean, what have you thought of just your time in Missoula playing for the Grizz? Man, I've loved every single second I've spent here. Like as soon as they, as soon as I transferred in here, what was it like five years ago? It's been a while, but it's just felt like home automatically. And all my teammates, everyone just brought me in, and like just the culture here, the fan base, it's everything you could want and ask for as a college football player. And I've just loved every second of it. I love the summers here. I love the winters here. I love everything about Montana. And just playing football with a bunch of good dudes who really care about you and care about the sport and their team, there's just nothing like it. So my time here has been it's been amazing. Well, you guys have uh, had such a, an interesting season with uh, a lot of adversity already, but you got back on track with the 57 nothing win over Cal Poly. Now you got one at least guaranteed home game left with Eastern Washington coming to town. Uh, so how would you gauge just sort of the level of focus right now amongst you guys? I know you're a focused group and a really hard-working group too, but what do you think of this opportunity you have on Saturday with Eastern Washington coming to town? Yeah, it's a, it's a big opportunity. Um, they're a good team like they have been in the past few years. I think everyone's really fired up to play them. Sorry, some background noise. All the big Dolig offense line guys are walking through. But hey, that's good. No, <laughs> yeah, they. Um, I think everyone's jacked up. I mean, the weather definitely gives a different kind of energy at practice, and we just get going. But no, for me uh, individually, like last last year in the playoff game, I missed because of uh, ankle injury. So 
I'm super jacked up to be playing these guys again and getting after them. So I just think playing against good teams is really fun for both sides. Well, your view from the sidelines then, I mean, obviously not, not ideal for you to be out in that game, but that was one of the craziest games ever from the atmosphere to how crazy the fans were going. Uh, to then they're just the back. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the back and forth, you guys get up huge, and then Eric Berry is throwing the ball crazy. It threw the ball like eighty times. So what did you what did you think of just watching that game last time you guys played Eastern <laughs> Washington? Man, that game was so much fun. Even just being on the sidelines, it was so electric in there, and like, oh, just the energy. Like I was hyping up all the guys on the sideline, just kind of making sure that the other guys in my position just were locked in and knew what they were doing. But just like. Like almost every weekend in Washington Grizzly Stadium, it was electric, especially the nighttime in the in the winter. It's just it's just a crazy different feeling, just kind of like it was last Saturday. But yeah, that game was awesome to be a part of, even if I wasn't out there on the field. Eli Alfred joining us here uh, on the Grizz uh, Star of the Week, presented by Bob Ward's Sports and Outdoors. Last couple things for you, Eli. Uh, I, I know that. Uh, you have confidence in all your teammates, but it, it really seemed like Lucas Johnson gave you guys a, a spark last week. So what have you thought of his addition, and, and how do you think he's helped uh, just improve the Grizzly offense? Yeah, I mean, Lucas, known him for since the start of the year, and he just came in, and he's he's just a leader, like, overall. He's a tremendous leader, a super good guy, and you could really tell that he knows what he's doing with the football it's fun, honestly, when we're on defense and he's out there just watching him go to work and do his thing because, I mean, it gives us a break when they're driving down the field, first of all, which is nice. And just, I don't know, it's fun watching a quarterback like him who can run the ball and throw the balls like he can. Like, Lucas, he's a big our team. and He fits in really well with all the rest of the guys that are here. Last thing for you, then 1 p.m. kickoff, the Grizz. Host Eastern Washington, final game of the year, at least for the regular season, at Washington Grizzly Stadium. Eastern Washington coming to town, and they've struggled so far this year, but they still have a very explosive offense. A couple of the best playmaking guys in the league on the perimeter in Freddie Roberson and Efton Chisholm. What do you think of the matchup, and and, uh, how have you guys sort of got about preparing for this matchup this weekend with the Eagles coming to town? Yeah, I think they're a really good team, and I mean, regarding how we were prepare, I think it, we prepare just like we do every week. I mean, nothing really changed because it's those guys. But, yeah, I mean, everyone's super locked in. We all know how talented their players are and how good of a team they are, no matter what the record is. So everyone's super locked in, and we're really focused on just going 1-0 this week and continuing to keep our season alive. There you go, Grizz. Host Eastern Washington, 1 p.m. Washington Grizzly Stadium. Eli Alford, Grizz Senior Defensive Tackle, joining us here on Nuanas Now. Eli, thanks for taking a minute for us today, man, and best of luck with the rest of your senior year. Best of luck on Saturday. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com apply. 
It's time to take our first look at the Bobcat game this coming Saturday. Bobcats on the road at Cal Poly. This is brought to you by First Security Bank. Coulter Nuana is joining us from Skyline Sports. And I tell you, Coulter, uh, I bet no one's more excited to be playing a home game this week than Cal Poly after being in Missoula last week and all that snow. Yeah, it was uh, quite a deal. I was on uh, in person on hand in Missoula last Saturday. And, uh, you know, I mean, a perfect storm for the Grizzlies, a tragic storm for the Mustangs. First of all, Cal Poly's in the middle of this massive rebuild. I mean, they were running the triple option, old school, military-style offense for more than two decades between their time under Rich Ellerson and, and Tim Walsh. And they were really good at it. But then they went a completely different direction, and they hired Bo Baldwin, who's so famous for his prolific offenses at Eastern Washington and all the great quarterbacks he coached there and of course all the great receivers like Cooper Cup and Kendrick Board and guys that went on to star in the NFL but uh, Cal Poly's in the midst of a rebuild and it's certainly an uphill battle but that's only part of the issue I think that not only are they outmanned undersized young and still in the process of acquiring the proper level of talent but I also think they just straight gave up I mean when the Grizzlies went up 14 nothing on their yeah. second possession of the game and then the skies open up and it's a full-on blizzard in Missoula uh, I didn't go well for Cal Poly so you know you'd like to at least think that maybe the, the reason they tapped out and waved the white flag was because of the elements more than you know their their lack of desire to keep on playing throughout this season, but I was unimpressed with their effort all the way around. The Grizzlies got right, but all that said, another trip for the Bobcats to a place that this staff and most of these players have never been before, so foreign lands to be sure, and uh, you know, for as, as poor as Cal Poly's played this year, as big of a struggle as it's been, they haven't won a conference game yet this year. What would be better for them than to knock off the number three team in the country? So I do think the Cats need to be on high alert going to California this week. Well, I tell you, we got a lot to work on, uh, you know, based on the last game. Our, our secondary, boy, that was not fun to watch last Saturday. They certainly have some issues in the secondary still. They're, the defensive scheme broadly is uh, similar to what it was last year, but they're playing more man. They're leaving the guys more on an island, and they've had a, a little bit of an issue. with Well, not a little bit. They've had a lot of an issue with it. All that said, sometimes you got to give credit where credit's due. I think R.J. Martinez from, from Northern Arizona, who was the freshman of the year in the league last year, I think he's the best quarterback. I think he's the most talented quarterback, I should say, in the Big Sky Conference. He's only a sophomore. NAU struggled this year because of a lot of injuries, and uh, you know Kevin Daniels, their big running back, being out really has helped or has hindered them, I should say. Uh, but I think Martinez, just in terms of pure arm talent and his ability to make all the throws, I think he's the best guy in the league. And I think NAU has great skill players on the outside, too. So credit where credit's due there. But Montana State, they have also really been uh, struggling to, to get hands on balls and track guys over the middle of the field and all that stuff. So, you know, for as good as Montana State's played, I think that, or I, sh I should say for as good as the results have been for Montana State, they still have a ton of room to improve. I think it's a credit to Brent Vegan and his staff because they figure out a way to get it done. They figure out a way to win games even when they don't play well, and that's kind of what a great program is all about. Uh, but if you are the Cats, I think you can say, well, you know, we're sitting here 8-1 and one and 6-0 and no in Big Sky play, yet we haven't played close to our best game yet. So I think there's still a lot left out there for MSU. Yeah, no, that's a good point. We're talking with Coulter Nuanez from Skyline Sports. It's our first look at Saturday's Bobcat game brought to you by First Security uh, Bank. So going into this game, we're injury-wise, uh, what are we looking at? Do we have running backs coming back? Man, that's like the the endless question. I do think like last week when Garrett Coon, who's a walk-on from Sheridan, Wyoming, was just running the ball straight down Northern Arizona's throat, you're thinking, man, the Cats can run the ball on anybody. 
I mean, this is like their seventh string running back. He's a walk-on freshman, and he's still getting six or seven yards of carry. So, you know, at this point, I don't really know what the running back situation is. I don't really think it matters. I mean, they, they've had a, a different guy go over 100 yards rushing in every game that they've played this year, and whether it's against Oregon State or whomever. And so it's been amazing to watch him run the ball. But I, I do think Elijah Elliott will be a go. I think Kuhn will be a go. Maybe Lane Sumner is back. I, I don't think Afonso, Isaiah Fonte is going to be back anytime soon. I actually don't know if he's going to be back this year. They keep saying that he might be back, but I just, I, I'm, I'm cynical about it. But I, uh, I also just don't really see that happening because I think the kid. He he busted both his knees up real bad, and I just uh, I think it'd be way better for him and everybody involved for him to just not. I mean, maybe maybe next month into the heart of the playoffs or something. But even even then, you haven't played for more than a year, so I, you might as well just wait until the the following year, take a medical redshirt. So we'll see. But Montana State they they might be healthy, but I in terms of the tailback position, I don't think it matters. Uh, what you got on the website this week? I got all sorts of fun uh, interview-style stuff. Uh, Ty Gregorak joined us on the Big Sky Breakdown like he does each week, and uh, he, he was great as always. We talked a lot about this uh, won't-be-beat attitude that the Cats have and, and just how they've been able to put this together. We also talked some Grizz stuff as well. Brooks Nuanas is on there as well. Uh, my brother uh, diagnosing a lot of the stuff around the Big Sky Conference. And uh, now that it's toward the end of the regular season, it's also senior profile time. So we've been doing senior profiles a little bit throughout the year, but now – we're going to have a whole a bunch of them here the next couple weeks. So, uh, currently working on one on Tyrell Thomas, who's a guy from Compton, California, who uh, came up to Montana State just kind of on a whim, and, and uh, he talked all about how it's changed his life. And I think that he has great perspective on what this experience is supposed to be about because he hasn't played much these last couple of years. He's been really hurt. But he, he's made it to the end. He's got a degree, and uh, he's changed his life. So I think that's awesome. And then we'll have a whole bunch of stories on the Montana guys. Uh, Jory Choate who's from right there in Bozeman, Jeff Choate's son, who, who's had a great story of perseverance making it to the end. And uh, R.J. Fitzgerald, the captain running back uh, slash fullback from Dillon. Ty Okada, who's actually not a Montana guy, but he's got such a Montana uh, mentality. Uh, we'll profile him as well. And then Callahan O'Reilly is also a Bozeman product and uh, a senior inside linebacker there for Montana State. So you can expect a lot of stories about uh, the pivotal figures, the the, the leaders and uh, the heart and soul of this Bobcat team. We'll be rolling all of those out over the next uh, two, three weeks. So very much look forward to sharing those with everybody. You can check it all out. SkylineSportsMT.com. Coulter Nuanas, it's our first look at the Bobcat game brought to you by First Security Bank. Thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you next week. I appreciate it. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com rewards to register and start saving. Town.